0: It was my first trip to the Holy Land so I wasn't quite sure what to expect. Dr. Graves suggested that I pack along a swimsuit so that in case some members of our church group chose to be baptized on the day that we visited the River Jordan I'd be prepared. On that morning Mike and I put on our white robes and we waded into the river And a dozen or so in our group also changed into swimsuits and put on white baptismal gowns. Now, all of them had been baptized before here in the United States. Some as infants, some as teenagers, some as adults. But on this day, these had chosen to renew their vows in the very holy waters where Jesus himself had been baptized. Mike and I decided that we would take turns baptizing those who were coming to renew their baptismal vows. We would essentially baptize them together, kind of as a team. Mike would do the speaking parts and me the immersion, and then we would reverse it for the next person. And as we stood there sorting out these details and waiting for the baptismal ceremony to begin, I mentioned to Mike, you know, I've never been immersed. I was only sprinkled as a baby, and I've been thinking, when we finish baptizing everybody today, I might ask you to baptize me, but I haven't decided yet. Baptizing the members of our group was one of the most moving experiences of the trip. Well, actually, it was one of the most moving experiences of my life. Can you imagine standing in the River Jordan and baptizing Dr. George B. Gordon III. I mean, that was stunning. I don't really have words to describe how powerful that experience was that day. When we were finished baptizing everyone, Mike and I made our way to the edge of the river, and before we stepped out, he looked at me and he said, Did you change your mind? And I said, Yep. I don't want to get my hair wet (laughs) because he hadn't told me it was going to happen in the morning and I would have to look like that the rest of the day and he laughed too but we have every good reason to resist God's claim upon our human lives following God and in the way of God can be terribly inconvenient look at John for example He baptized folks there in the River Jordan, calling them to a new way of life. And his message was incredibly popular with some, but it was also disturbing to others. And in just a few more chapters in the Gospel according to Matthew, we read how John was arrested and beheaded. And then look at Jesus, who was baptized there on that day by John. This was the turning point that led Jesus from being an obscure Galilean, a carpenter perhaps, to moving into this bold life where he was preaching and teaching and working miracles, and in just a few years, they hung him on a cross. And so you and I, aren't we actually rather wise to be at least ambivalent, if not reticent, about letting God claim our lives to go in the path That John and Jesus walked if we immerse ourselves into the ways of God then what might happen to us if we reach out to the poor with compassion and kindness if we reach out to care for the homeless isn't it true that we just might be taken advantage of and if we commit ourselves in this new year to building up the body of Christ here in the local congregation isn't it true that the church might creep in and absorb way too much of our free time And if we forgive a family member, isn't it possible that he will just break our heart one more time? And if we advocate in the workplace for racial justice and equity for women, isn't it possible that we, too, might just get passed over for promotion or even downsized the next time layoffs occur? Sometimes it seems more expedient to follow our own way rather than to immerse our lives in the life of god in the way of god frankly all of us have ways in which we'd rather not let anyone see us with our hair dripping wet last summer i was invited to preach at this kind of place in michigan for over 100 years folks have gathered in this place gathering in their little summer cottages along lake michigan not just to escape the heat and not just to enjoy family and friendship but also to grow in their faith they have a full schedule of religious activities for all ages that take place every week i was invited to preach there and on the day that we arrived a very nice family had been assigned to host us and to to welcome us, and they were so incredibly gracious. They showed us all the right places to eat and all the activities on the grounds and introduced us to other families there, and really they could not have been more hospitable. But arriving in this new place, I felt rather uncomfortable, and I wondered, here in this idyllic setting, what Word of God, could they possibly need from me come Sunday worship? And so I was kind of tuned in to listen to their particular stories. Bill told me that his family had been coming here for three or four generations. He himself was third generation, and he could not ever remember an entire summer of his life where he had not spent at least some time there. He said that when he was busy working in the corporate world in Chicago, that on Fridays he would hop in his private plane in downtown Chicago, fly out to the suburbs, pick up his wife and children, load them into the plane, and fly up to Michigan so that they could enjoy the weekend together. Well, I was impressed. This man seemed enormously successful, and yet there was something about him that just seemed a bit brooding. And I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was that I wasn't getting. A few days later, after I had preached, Bill invited Dave and I to go with him and his family and some others there in the community to the country club for brunch. And during that brunch, it just kind of stumbled out of his mouth. He said, I grew up with a special needs brother. And then he began to tear up and it was as if his wet hair was dripping all over the white tablecloth at the country club. He had revealed something of his own fragile human nature, and it seemed holy. The story of Jesus being baptized in the River Jordan by John reveals something of Jesus' own fragile human nature— Generations of Bible scholars and theologians and preachers have mused about why it is that Jesus would need to be baptized. All four Gospels introduce us to the adult Jesus by saying that first he was baptized by John, and today's version from Matthew tells us that John would have prevented it saying, no, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus replies... Let it be so, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And to me, the most important word that we heard in that phrase from Jesus is the word us. Jesus needs John to baptize him. Jesus cannot make this turning point by himself. Jesus didn't simply burst onto the scene announcing that he was the son of God here to save everyone. No, he first came to John along with all the other spiritual seekers who came to be baptized. He comes as one of them and he claims that this is how God works. Let it be for it is proper for us. Jesus submits his life to the life of John to the life of the community, to a way other than his own way. He expresses his need for another. He says it is for us. Now we modern Americans are not all that familiar with us. We know what I want, what I need, but often we go our own individual ways and we keep our true selves hidden one from another we even have the audacity to sometimes think that we can be christian alone it has not been true in my own life experience my family took me to church and baptized me into the us of the polytechnic united methodist church my friend when i was just a young teenager invited me to a summer camp where I experienced a religious fervor that I had not yet known in my life. When I was in college, my friends Claudia and Julie and Gary mentored me through my own faith questions and encouraged me to think seriously about even going to seminary. And a clergy group that I have met annually with for a dozen or so years now, each fall in Chicago, frequently comes to me to encourage me when I'm feeling fragile in my own faith, or weak in my own confidence to be a pastor. My own journey of faith has been far more about us than about me. A few weeks ago, I read a research study that was reported by British author Margaret Silf. She tells about drivers who use the toll road to get to work each morning. One driver reported to her that there were six toll lanes, but he noticed that there were five toll lanes that moved along quickly and always had the shortest lines, but the sixth toll lane always moved much more slowly and had the longest line. Finally, the driver realized that the reason the sixth line was so much longer than the other lines is because of the toll booth operator. The worker in the toll booth took a personal interest in each driver. He greeted each driver warmly on their way to work, asking, how's your family? And folks were willing to wait longer in line because of the experience of us one driver even lost his glasses and when he pulled up to the toll booth that day the toll booth operator said hey i see you're not wearing your glasses are you okay and the driver responded even my family didn't notice and you did in a busy and stressful world us still matters john then does what jesus insists upon He honors the us that Jesus came seeking. And it is only after John lifts Jesus up out of the waters of the River Jordan, with Jesus still dripping wet, that the heavens are opened, and the Spirit descends like a dove, and a voice from heaven speaks, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. It was not the water that made this, a pivotal moment for jesus it was the us jesus needed john in order to hear the voice of heaven maybe we need that too but sometimes we just keep ourselves so cordoned off my friend jim was married and had three small children they were active in their local congregation Both husband and wife held leadership roles. They went on mission trips. They helped lead the youth group. They volunteered at the homeless shelter, but Jim struggled. He didn't want anyone to know about it. He felt completely alone in the secret. He didn't want anyone to know that he kept kept bottles of booze in the rafters of the basement, and that each time he went down to move the laundry from the washer to the dryer or from the dryer, to the hamper that he was taking another swig from the bottle each time, and the laundry was always perfectly clean in this household. One day, things erupted, and his wife said to him, enough, and he left, and he went to his brother's house, and when his brother opened the door, he saw Jim dripping wet, vulnerable, afraid, deeply worried, And his brother said to Jim, get in the car, we're going to AA. Together they went, us, we. Just as God designed us to live, I am happy to tell you that for over a decade now, Jim has been sober and is thriving in his life. But he still remembers hearing his brother's voice because it was the voice of heaven.